This is Karen Hunter, and welcome to The Hub. Let me welcome to the show. She is a finance expert. We like that. We like that. And CEO and founder of Black Girl Venture. Let me welcome to the show for the first time, Shelly Bell. Welcome. Hi. Thank you for having me. This is exciting. Good. Thanks for coming through. All right. All right. Let's go. Let's go back. Let's go back. I, I want to start with the finance part of it. Um, tell, us, tell us a little bit about your, your journey there. Yeah, I mean, what I'll say is um, this is firsthand, real world grassroots finance <laughs> uh, understanding coming from building businesses, also running like multi-million dollar contracts and um, just working in different sectors. It's weird how like over the course of your life, you have so much experience that de- like kind of like delivers you out into the moment that you actually take hold of your passion and run. Um, so a lot of that expertise came from running, making money for other people. Um, and then making money for myself. Uh, specifics, Shelly. Okay. I mean, that's very broad. That so, that ain't a journey. You 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 gave us the whole the 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 overview. Like, tell okay, us how okay. you got here. We'll get into the story. Okay, here we go. So, um, I was running this uh, large contract for this um, workforce development agency, and ultimately, terrible people uh, making money off of poverty did not care necessarily about the people they were serving. Um, my, my boss asked me to do something that I didn't agree with. So I sent one of my employees instead. He got upset. He laid me off, right? So there I was. Uh, I was engaged to this man who did not want me to start a business because he did not think it was going to be stable enough for our family. We're growing a family. He's like, nah, I don't think you should do that. And so I didn't because I'm like, maybe this is what people do if they're being a great wife. So um, I went to do some patent search work, which I had done for before. I was faking it every day. I hated it, but I was going in and Wait, smiling. Pause, 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 okay. pause. All right. All right. Before before you get to that, okay. Um what did you did you go to school? Did you I mean like what what oh, you was that my, to you get my life like life? I just yeah, no, not your life life, but to, to be in a position to get laid off from a job that I'm sure okay. you were making good money. And like what was what was the contract? What was the Yeah, I'm a computer scientist. Um, there we so, go. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Come I'm on, Shelly. Yeah, I'm going to be the scientist, but I've lived a lot of lives. I mean, honestly, just being a hustler, like I was a K through 12 teacher for a while. Um, like I said, this workforce development, running this contract in DC government. And then also just had some like performance poetry where I launched my own art organization. And I really learned a lot of community building based off of that. So art in general, but then like started like organizing for specific communities, like the LGBT community and communities of women to write together. Um, so yeah, all of that built up to this moment that I'm, that I'm leaning, that I'm about to tell you about. <laughs> so there I was, right. Uh, my boss calls me in. He's like, you're amazing, but this is not for you. So he laid me off again. Like this is my second layoff now. Right. So I go home. <laughs> And I call, I, I'm devastated. I call California psychics and I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and the woman, she told me, she said, when you find the thing that you want to do, the money will come and you're not going to be with that guy. So literally within two months, my whole world flipped upside down threw everything out of my living room, including him. And um, I, I built a teepee and put in my living room. And everybody's like, nobody's gonna sleep in your living room in a teepee. I said, yes, they will watch. 
I'm gonna build a teepee, put it in my living room and rent it out. So I'm in Home Depot. I don't even know how to drill a hole. The guys are like, what are you doing? I'm gonna build a teepee, put it in my living room and I'm gonna rent it out. They're like, nobody's gonna sleep in your living room in a teepee. I say, yes, they will watch. So come to find out Airbnb actually has a teepee option. <laughs> so I put, I put, so I, put oh I put the teepee on Airbnb and I had so many people who wanted to come and stay. And I mean, the idea came from how could a single parent actually create extra income using Airbnb when you don't have an extra room? Um, how could women who are traveling, because I've been traveling as an artist, and men could like yell from the stage, like, I need somewhere to stay tonight. And the women would be like, okay, you know, but I can't do that. That's not safe for me. So it was also like, how could I create this network of women that could travel safely? Um, but it, it worked. But this is where I really realized what safe space is. So we use safe space, uh, safe space a lot as like a buzz term. But if you and I walk into a building and it is structurally sound, technically it is a safe space. Safe space means safe people. And it sounds like whoever just entered the space before I got here wasn't necessarily that safe. But <laughs> based on the conversation I heard y'all having. But um, you know, having more safe people in the space with understanding um, and empathy is important. And this woman was going through some things. She was sharing it with my children. And I'm like, this is too much, you gotta go. So I quickly found out that I have a question though. I have a question. I I have a question. All right. So you have a TP in the middle Mm -hmm. of your, your living room, right? The person who's in the TP, they're giving you money every month to live in the TP with Mm -hmm. a sleeping bag Every Mm -hmm. every week. Okay. How long did the person stay in the TP in your living room? I think this woman stayed with us for about two weeks. And okay. it's it, you know this TP is like first class, okay? <laughs> it's not, you know, she won't sleep in no sleeping it's the, bag. It's the penthouse TP. Okay, Andrew, listen. <laughs> this, this had we had bedding in there. We had a light in there. We had like you could close in, you could see out, but you couldn't see in. We had, I mean, like it was, it was, yeah, it was like that. I, I'll send okay. you a picture of it. Okay. All right. All right. So the lady share with your children, her troubles and you're and like, I'm, you got to leave. You got to get up out of here. I'm done. So it needed more money. And so I'm like, well, what others, I can't do this. What other, I need to make money and need, need more money. So I'm like, what other skills do I have? Um, and so I landed on, I learned how to do print t-shirts before. So I ended up launching a t-shirt line called made by a black woman. And my mom invested her, her retirement money and I used my tax money to buy my own machines. And from there, I started printing for other people and printing for myself. So I was printing my own brand. Meanwhile, printing for like small influencers. I made inroads to print for, do print uh, work for Amazon and Google. So I leveled my business all the way up. We traveled across the, like up and down the East Coast doing events from Afropunk to like small festivals, uh, just really learning so much firsthand about how to work with customers directly interfacing with people, materials, clothing, chemicals. Like it was, it was a lot to make this happen. Manufacturing overseas. Like it was, it was a lot of learning during that time. Uh, we made Essence Holiday, Essence Magazine Holiday Gift Guide in our first full year. And then that caused an uptick in sales as well. So then I'm, I'm, I'm living it now. I mean, you know, it's a roller coaster ride. My first year I was like, I'm going back to work for Amazon every other week. I, like I'm going to go, I'm going to apply wear for Amazon every week. But um, finally, the, the news came out that Black women weren't getting access to capital. And I'm like, okay, well, let's just do something about it. It was not a lot of thought. 
It was a brunch, 30 women in a house in Southeast DC. We got together. Um, they paid to get in and we voted with like marbles and coffee mugs. I took the money that they paid me and I split it with the winner. So four women got up, talked about their business. The whole audience got to ask them questions and then they voted on which pitch they liked best. And then I split that capital with the winner and people liked it. So we kept doing it. So it, I, got, I did a call for a volunteer team. We put an application process in place. And then there we were starting to like get other partnerships that just natural business acumen going out working with different spaces to let us in and do this work. And so after doing that, we got a partnership with Google. And so I had, I was doing some work with Google, um, doing some community training and helping people like understand marketing and leveling up their business. And I said, okay, I'm gonna give Black Girl Ventures three months. If it don't, if it don't kick off in three months, it's gotta go. So I put my print shop to the side, lived off the check that I was getting from Google and really gave it 100% and then it took off. We got a partnership with Google Cloud for startups. We started traveling across the, across the country doing this event where you come in um, and you vote for the person that you like with your dollars. So we began a Google charity and we moved, we started doing Atlanta, Chicago, we were in DC, New York, um, Detroit, Baltimore. Um, we've done, uh, now we have, so out, even with those cities in, in Austin, Texas, then we also uh, opened up five chapters and across the country as well. So Philly, Miami, Houston, and Birmingham, Alabama, and Durham, North Carolina. And so in those cities, we have three to five women on the ground who are responsible for actually like pulling their community together and delivering content on behalf of Black Girl Ventures and taking what I did, the package, I just packaged it and handed it to them for them to actually do it for their own cities because that was my goal. Like so many people wanted us to come to their cities directly. And I'm like, well, how can I like train other people to do this? This is not new, by the way, this is black history. In the early 1900s, black people migrated to Harlem, white people raised the, 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 um, the, the rent, black people threw parties, rent parties to stay in their homes. And you had people like Langston Hughes, Fats Waller, Duke Ellington throwing these parties with different people in the community to help them pay their rent. And so we're basically just keeping that premise going, the ingenuity of black and brown people to like suffer and bounce back and be resilient with just engaging community, Circum circumventing the banks, circumventing the venture capital world and saying, what can a community do for each other? And so, yeah, that's where we are. <laughs> Shelly, I, I, I love it. I, I love it. And I can't wait to see a picture of that TP. But let me ask you this. Um, what is if you could if you could identify one one or two things that consistently show up in the women who win because it's it's black women right if black and brown if you could identify one or two things that consistently shows up in the winners that can can you share that with with folks just so entrepreneurs who are listening can start to think about what grabs the attention of an investor of any sort? Yeah, no, I think that's a great question. It is their thought process around what they can do, if I'm honest. Like it really is like them having an understanding of not just the market, but like what they can do with the market. Because every pitch you hear people, and I've heard hundreds and reviewed hundreds of applications at this point for us and for other people. And the thing that you hear, you know, this is a $72 billion market. This is a multi-million dollar market. And I'm like, okay, but how much of that market can you grasp? And what is your outlook on how you're going to do that? 
So I would say that the people that win consistently have a good grasp on how they're going to take their portion of the market and grow their business. Wow. I'm, I'm very rarely speechless, but as I'm sitting here, I'm like my brain, you know, we were, we were talking this Saturday about, you know, um, starting a fund and, you know, that's the way W, um, um, Carter G. Woodson started his publishing, you know, he had kids put five, like five cents, give them five cents, you know, and then they had ownership in it, you know, um, when, when he, uh, had his books and, you know, this is our tradition because we could never depend on the banks. We could never. And when we did depend on the banks, they usually stole our money. Um, the color money tells that story so uh, horrifically about how black people trusted the banks and they speculated with our hard earned money when we had very little soldiers coming back from civil war, stolen money. Um, so we we got to rely on ourselves. And this is that time. So how many how many um, businesses have you funded? Shelly. Today we funded 104. Um, Actually in 30 minutes, we're going to have a uh, beauty pitch competition drop um, on our YouTube. It'll premiere. That'll be, um, that'll be nine women that come through that one. So in that case, uh, we'll be, we'll be up nine more. And then we have our last competition of the year, December the 4th. And we had about, we've had about 200 women come through the program directly. And this is like, this is just a pitch program. We also have a training called Jetpack, which is geared toward women who, you know, is not the, the idea that you can go somewhere and sit 13 weeks through an incubator or accelerator just doesn't fit um, even the greatest businesses, right? It just doesn't make sense. Um, so we created this Jetpack Accelerator to really cater to the needs of Black and Brown women and what they're dealing with and what they're working through and who they are. If you're a caretaker of any sort, it's hard to pick up and move. Um, we also do have a BGV Connect incubator. So every Wednesday we do virtual co-working all day. We do virtual pitch practice at night. We like to cater to the whole entrepreneur. So monthly we have a women in business support group that is led by counseling, um, by licensed counselors and therapists and coaches that come in and talk to people as they're working through their businesses. Wow. Um, okay. What's the YouTube channel in 30 minutes, which is just in time for us to be. So at six o'clock. That's PM right. Eastern time, right after the show, go to where black girls, black girl venture black girl. on YouTube. That's right. Black girl ventures on YouTube. All right. We will uh, tweet that out. So follow us at SXM urban view, or you can follow. I am Shelly bell. I am Shelly bell B E L L. Um, how much money do you typically, what's the average funding? Yeah. So um, first place was away with $10,000. Second place was away with 6K and then third place was away with 2K. And this is just what we give. They also get whatever they raise on top of that. So they're actually, so because it's like Shark Tank meets Kickstarter, right? So like we have a tech platform where they're, they actually are raising the capital, but we're, we are um, influenced alongside of them because crowdfunding is great, but there's an opportunity cost to crowdfunding. You still have to have a network. And you still have to be able to put up everything that needs to be there to kind of stand alone so that people can stumble upon it and kind of give to you. And so with this concept, we're putting these two things together. So we influence and they influence. So if the average check they might walk away with is about somewhere between $1,500 to $2,000 extra capital. Um, and it depends per city. And I think we've been able to really see some interesting things per city that that data that people may not be gathering, which is like, in Philly, the average give 
is about $20 versus, versus in DC, the average gift per person is about $35 to $40, right? And so the kind of data that the kind of what that means for a city is that when people get behind something that they care about, here's what they're willing to put for it, yeah. right? And so thinking about how cities and brands um, get more intentional about providing community things that they care about and ways that they want to get involved, they will put up the money and then we have data on what those average amounts are. You know, it's so interesting that you said that about, I'm sorry, Karen. No, no, go ahead. It's so interesting you said that about geography because I truly believe that there are some places in this country that are just more, more financially beneficial to black entrepreneurs. Can you talk a little bit about geography and then for the people who can't make that geographic shift, how do they engage outside of their community as well as in it? Oh, that's such a great question. So the, um, with geography, what we have learned through having efforts in different cities is that a founder in Birmingham, excuse me, Alabama, is experiencing something totally different than the founder is in Houston, right? And a lot of this is about infrastructure. Mm-hmm. So when we think about going into a city, we try to look at, has the government, has the city government made any claims to want to help, right? That's one of the things we look at. We also look at entrepreneur entrepreneurial activity, like how many startup efforts are happening there? Has anyone recently received any great or large funding from there? You know, what does that look like? And then we also look at demographics, like or is it a nice large demographics of black people, graphic of black people there? Um, there's a there's a report by Dale called the We Cities Report that scores uh, the different cities on different in different ways. And so one of the things about DC, the DMV, like DC, Maryland, Virginia area, is there's a lot of money here, a lot of money here, but it doesn't move easy. So for you to, you gotta, you gotta really get into those networks to get that money. And they are really heavily reliant on like accelerators and incubators in a way. So, and then sometimes not even that, but just the right network. You got somewhere like Birmingham, Alabama, that doesn't have a lot of corporations there. So because they don't have a lot of corporations, you got main like mainstay long-term uh, corporate offices like Alabama Power, and you got smaller uh, ones like uh, the delivery, one of the delivery companies that delivers grocery. I can't think of the name of it right now. But there's no other, I mean, there's Regents Bank, but there's no other corporations. So that means from an ecosystem standpoint, which is the way we have to look at it as an, eco, as an ecosystem builder and an entrepreneur support organization, is what is available for these entrepreneurs to thrive? It's not just capital coming from one place, but there, are, there has to be programming. Like if there are academic institutions, mm-hmm. if there are uh, corporations, like all that's gonna matter for the way the ecosystem works. So while there's a, like great people in Birmingham, Alabama that are, are ready to rock on business, there's not a lot of infrastructure, like supply diversity through the government. Like there's not a lot of those efforts there. So those things have to be pressed upon and put in place in order for that ecosystem to really thrive versus mm. like a DC where there's a local city government that has all types of clout and, you know, and is very vocal about the way they serve people in general. And there's lots of different offices and all kinds of things. Houston is, is interesting too, because there's the energy, there's a lot of energy um, corporations there. And then that can press up on these things also an NFL team. So, you know, like the, there's these, all these different 
kinds of things that have to press upon like whether or not it's a thriving market. And then the thriving market for entrepreneurs in general, but then a thriving market for black and brown entrepreneurs or traditionally under-resourced entrepreneurs is a whole other thing because we're dealing with lack of generational capital, right? I tell people all the time when I'm doing different interviews, keep in mind, we're only talking about 60 years, arguably, that black people have been able to grow wealth uninterrupted, right? Mm. Right. So one you know, would a, argue, one would argue that we were interrupted with the subprime lending. We were interrupted 100%. greatly. So 100%. yeah, so it ain't it's been less than ten years. You know, um, we're talking with Shelly Shelly Bell. Um, I am Shelly Bell. The ten thousand dollars doesn't seem like a lot of money, before a business. You know, um, and what kind of businesses? For a tech company, you know, you need millions of dollars or whatever. But do you really need millions of dollars? Sometimes that $10,000 is all you need, right? I mean, listen, we we have all kinds of ingenuity and resilience, so we make it work. I think that, but we can't, you know, when they say don't despise small beginnings, that's also this this micro-funding. What I believe that what, what a founder needs to stay in business is, is constant infusions of capital. And some of that infusion, and some of those infusions of capital need to not have so many strings attached to them, right? So you need no strings attached infusions of capital. Then you're gonna take on some strings attached infusions of capital, you know, and then hopefully you are investing in yourself in the right way, such that that brings revenue and returns. So ten thousand dollars could be life changing for someone who needs to buy a new piece of equipment in order to get more efficient, right? Um, one of our founders received an anonymous donation of a hundred thousand dollars and so and that just it just they just sent us a note hey we want to give a hundred thousand dollars to this founder and so i think that that's a testament to visibility so they get more than the capital right there if we were in person when we were in person they were pitching directly to their consumer to their consumer base right i mean they still are in a lot of ways because of the people who follow us and now we're seeing a whole different thing happen after the murder of George Floyd. I mean, the, the outpour of support and uh, wanting to support, you know, find black and brown women founders has been huge. And so we, I, I like to say we've been instrumental in helping people just find them to do business with them, we which are, is far um, beyond what we could do with, with any money. We're, we're committed to, to highlighting um, businesses. We have uh, buyfromablackwoman.com, that come, .org. They come on every, uh, every month to talk about. So I want to offer the same thing to you, um, Shelly, to come on every month and let's talk about a couple of these businesses that you funded and let's give them even more highlight and, and profile. Uh, will you do that? I will, absolutely. I'm honored. I'm right. honored. All right, Smiz, make that happen. Shelly, nice to meet you. Happy holiday. Uh, I hope you and your family stay safe and healthy. And I look forward to talking with you next month.